Welcome back to another episode of Get in the Cashflow Game with K&K. This week we had Rich Summers on the podcast. He is the founder of Pack 3 Capital, or he is a founding member of Pack 3 Capital. Um, he specializes in deal development, sourcing all potential acquisitions and capital, and sourcing equity and debt at both the acquisition and refinance stages. He also recently founded Fortune Cribs. That's a firm that strategically helps investors identify properties with revenue potential as short-term rentals. His firm handles all aspects of the process from finding the property, the setup and design, the marketing, guest communication, turnovers, and property maintenance, which means that it's hands off for his clients. So as being an active real estate investor, entrepreneur, the portfolio between apartment buildings, short-term rentals, I know he keeps adding to it. He's about excess of 45 million. He also co-hosts a weekly real estate investing podcast, the multifamily takeoff. We're interviews top real estate investors, industry experts from all over the world. He also co-hosts a monthly real estate networking event in the local city of San Diego. Didn't um, you go to one of those events? No, I couldn't make it. Ah, we're going to go to Yeah, we're going to next one. I think it's called Beers and Deals. Beers and Deals. And then he has Sorry the other one that's, that. he's going to do a new one that's on a boat, right? What, what would, that one had like another catchy name too. Or cocktails and dreams. Dreams. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, he does he does a lot of meetups. I feel like Rich is like really in the mix with a lot. Yeah, of like you the know, honestly, um, he you know, it's kind of somebody that like was you know, W two'd went down that path, kind of woke up one day. What am I doing? Um, had a major shift, right? You know, getting out of there, like literally cashing in. I think his four hundred one k buying property. He was at, like a flight aviation traffic um, he was tra an air traffic yeah, controller which is honestly yeah. a crazy job and just got out of that and enough of the grind and here he is just you know uh going after his passion um he's actually got really good he's really great to follow really good content very consistent on social media so any of you guys that want to build a brand and an audience and stuff he's somebody to definitely watch because he's definitely really good and um, he's always, he's, he's super consistent. There. I feel yeah, like he's on and there all the time. He like, travels. Like, I mean, he's been in Greece for weeks now and I feel like he's been super consistent with his content and everything. And the other thing that I love about rich is like, I always say this is like, you want to take, if you want to take advice from Grant Cardone, that's great and all. But if you're just like the little guy trying to grow and trying to build a portfolio, Grant's advice is probably not realistic because he's just, he's been at this level for so long. And so Rich, a guy like Rich has been doing this for only a few years. So I feel like he's a really great story for people to feel like, even though this seems like super difficult and almost impossible, like Rich has done this in a short period of time he found like he got together with a group of guys that were also air traffic controllers they all got together they founded this you know syndication company they're doing things they're living a great life they're traveling they've been they've had success so it's like even when you think it is so difficult and impossible this is a story of a guy who's been doing it for a few years and he's living life on his terms he's doing fabulous and he's making cash flow and he's having fun while he's doing it yeah I mean um and I would just say, like, I think he has, uh, I've watched him, his videos, him, they redo the, they redid the Scottsdale VRBO. They have, he has really good taste, really good eye. Very cool. Really good style. Yeah. He's very, I will say this, you can tell he's very hip on what's hip, if that makes any sense. So that means if you're going to like these trendy hotels or a trendy VRBO, he would be a guy that could potentially own it or do it because he just, he, he has his eye on the prize. He knows what's cool. But anyways. One last just, thing. I oh, do like oh. how, 
I do like how he's pivoting too in the market. So for example, everybody's kind of in this vacation rental space. Um, I won't give everything away, but his company and his partners are doing some cool things to kind of pivot and kind of protect themselves with the shift in the market. So I love that he's sort of thinking on his feet and pivoting when needed. Um, I love that. So listen in to see what he's doing and learn about Rich. Yeah. So let's jump in with Rich. If you're a real estate investor, you know that aside from cash flow, you also get huge tax benefits by investing in real estate. But are you taking full advantage of all the potential tax benefits? We've been working with Tim Looney at CSSI for a few years now, and he's saved us and our clients hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in taxes doing cost segregation studies on our properties. Let me give you an example. We bought a property in 2019. If we had just used straight line depreciation method, we would have saved about $18,750 on our taxes. But because we did a cost seg, we saved $258,000 in the first year. That's $239,350 more in the first year alone. The other great thing is if you're classified as a real estate professional, you can apply this to other sources of income like your W-2 income or 1099 income, and you can also roll over any unused depreciation to future years. If you've owned your properties for a few years already, don't worry. You can still do a cost seg and save big on your taxes. This isn't tax advice, so consult your CPA to see if you qualify to take advantage of these benefits. And if you're interested in learning more, listen to episode 104 with Tim Looney. You can call or text Tim at 318-469-9861 to schedule a complimentary property analysis and make sure that you mention that you were referred by Kenny and Crystal. For sure. Well, Rich, thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I just want to see, I did a, a lot of research on you before this, obviously, and I saw your- Soccer. Of course, I stalk everyone. <laughs> I'm a female. What do you think? Yeah, sure. I stalk everyone. But your Instagram has a ton of information on it really, really great content. And then you syndicate and you also do vacation rentals. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Can you just give us a little background into how you got here? Yeah. So I grew up uh, middle class. My mom was an immigrant from Taiwan. Oh, um, both of my parents know the value of working hard for your money and saving your money. And I was taught from a young age to go to school, get good grades, go to college and get a job. And for the most part, that's what I did. Have a background in sales. I was selling cars uh, while I was going to college here in San Diego. And uh, that was my first taste of like what it was like to control your paycheck to a certain degree. And I knew I wanted to sell real estate. And so I got out of college and I interviewed at a couple of commercial real estate brokerages, CBRE, who's still around and Grubb and Ellis. I don't think they're around anymore. And it was a couple internship positions and they were like, hey, we love your hustle. It was 2008. But they said, um, this is not a good time to get into the industry. And they pulled the positions, right? So I found myself on a car lot wondering, like, what am I going to do with my life? And I stumbled into an air traffic control position with the government. They were hiring. Whoa. So yeah. random. So <laughs> random. So random. But my dad was a pilot um, when I was a kid growing up. And so I was always kind of, like, nerdy into aviation. And so I thought, okay, well, why not? Like, let's just, let's just do it and see what happens. And so they hired me. I flew out to Oklahoma City. And uh, that was my first like assignment out there for six months. That's where the training was. Uh, got through that, and then I ended up in a town called Palmdale, California. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a big military, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's FAA, like federal job. Um, ended up being out there for six years. Oh, and my, my wow. end game was always Palmdale's like, like <laughs> yeah. nothing there too, yeah. right? Yeah, it's it's remote. They yeah. call it the armpit of California. <laughs> <laughs> in Top Gun, they said that's like where all the second, like the the military people that didn't make it to the yes. yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, and so anyway, so I finally was able to transfer down here to San Diego, and so I ended up doing another five years down here. And along the way, I read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad. Uh -huh. Such thought, a good read. Yeah, I remember real estate. I'm like, man, I got to figure this out. But let me get into it on 
the investment side. And so I, I started listening to podcasts. Bigger Pockets was one of them. Uh, started reading books. Um, did nothing but like just educate myself for probably nine months. And um, I was working, but then outside of work, I was just educating myself. I was going to networking events. And then uh, at the time, I did what a, a lot of people think is a little bit too risky, but I cashed out my 401k and I pulled out a home equity line of credit against my primary residence. What year here. is this right now? You're this is in 2019. Okay. So just okay. a few years ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that was my seed money to get started. So, first deal was 11 units in Cincinnati, uh, value add property, C class property. And then shortly after that, I partnered with two of my partners who I still have today, and we JV'd on a 32-unit building in Indianapolis, also value-add C-class. And then we launched a podcast. Um, we partnered with a group who owns 8,000 units in the Carolinas, and they taught us everything from you know how to underwrite deals, how to qualify deals, how to raise capital, all their systems, all their processes. Wow. They have their own in-house property management company. And so we co-sponsored a couple deals with them, and uh, we... First one was 150 units in Greensboro, North Carolina, the Arbors. And then uh, shortly after that, it's Timber Creek Apartments, which was 145 units out there as well. Um, and then earlier this year, I launched an uh, entity called Fortune Cribs to where um, we help clients buy short-term rentals around the country. We'll operate them. And uh, really, the entity is like to kind of manage my short-term rental portfolio as we grow it. Um, but also um, some boutique hotels. So we're doing our first boutique hotel deal right now up in Northern California. Nice. And then Fortune Cribs will actually manage that free of staff. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Awesome. Yeah, we were talking about that off air is that I think it's such a smart thing, especially with all the vacation rental laws that are coming into play. Like the idea yeah. of going into like a boutique hotel, it's legal hospitality and you operate it yeah. relatively the same way as you would a vacation rental or you can anyway. Yes, absolutely. And I think like right now, with multifamily being so compressed, cap rates have compressed, the yields have come down. Um, it's hard to find good deals out there, you know, and these short-term rentals, I mean, even paying a, a management, management fee, you're still looking at, you know, 10, 12 caps, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, um, well, if you just listen to a lot of the podcast syndicators, I think everybody's kind of like, yeah, we're just taking the summer off. They're, they're kind of like yeah, just chilling. The big guys are yeah. like, there's not, they're like, deal, deal, deal. There's just not much going on. Yeah. But there will be. Yeah. You know, they're just waiting. Yeah. I think. I think that's like the name of the game in real estate, though, is like being able to pivot when the market mm -hmm. changes. You can't just keep doing the same thing all the time. You Absolutely. have to be able to read the market and pivot when needed and keep making money, keep the machine going. Mm -hmm. So are Absolutely. you done with traffic control? Done. I yeah. punched out of there December of 2020. So wow. Um, once I had enough passive income coming in and uh, enough for me to feel comfortable, I, I punched out of there and I said, you know what, I'm, I'm ready for the next chapter. And it's been uh, it's been an exciting ride ever since. You know, it's incredible once you um, leave a you know 40, 50 hour a week position and then now reallocate those 50 hours to work on yourself. How much more you can get done? Yeah, honestly, was that scary though for you? I just feel was. like the safety and security you're, you're taught your entire life. Yeah, it was. I mean, all those things I did, like every step was scary, right? Like cashing out the 401k, um, people and like friends and family will tell you all the risks involved. Oh, right? they're probably thinking he's lost his mind. Yeah. What is that he doing? That usually means you're yeah. doing the right thing though. When everybody yeah. tells you this is risky, you shouldn't do it. That's usually the right yeah, move. 100%. And then, you know, when I partnered, people were like, oh, don't partner because they hear all the negative stories. Um, but you know, the thing, the takeaway is this is like all those risks that people allude to are real. So put some weight on it, but on the other side of the balance scale is another risk. And it's this, I could be 80 years old one day laying in my bed, staring at the ceiling, kicking myself. Cause I never fucking tried to anything in life. How about that risk? Cause that's yeah. a risk a lot of people don't talk about. 
Yeah, I because um, we're in lending, and so I always say this. Um, I always say the conversation you have with yourself from 20 to 30 to 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. Yeah. So we're, we're in a fortunate position where we've been doing loans for almost 20 years, which is crazy, but we get to talk to clientele and all this mm-hmm. at all stages, walks of life, yeah. all financial and all that. And I, I, when you talk to a 60, 70 and 80 year old, mm-hmm. that's probably stuck in a W2 job. And that yeah. I ask him, I go, Hey, and it's never like, you know, it's always the regret. They're like, you know, I should have bought more property. I could have bought a smaller house. I didn't need all this car and all this. And now they're more stressed going, what am I going to do? Like, yeah. I didn't even, I could have done all this stuff. I didn't do it. They just picked up the yeah. book at 60, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. They're like, I need to buy real estate. And they're like, now they're like, I'm doing this to teach my kids so they don't make the mistake. Mm-hmm. And the mistake isn't that they work. The mistake is that they always had this in their mind or their body. Mm-hmm. They just never did it. Because yeah. of, you know, it's the next year, next month, next week, you know. How well, you're not is. taught yeah. this in school. Like, you're taught to yeah. go to work and save your money. And yeah. if you put X amount in there, you'll have a million dollars in your yeah. 401k by the time you retire. And then you realize in California, that's like yeah. nothing. You're exactly right. You're <laughs> yeah. exactly right. And I think the other part of it is is getting around the the right people, you know. And, and sometimes that might be, uh, you know, swapping out certain friendships um, that are maybe no longer conducive with where you're trying to go tomorrow. And getting around players that are actually doing it, you know, and getting around those those right mindsets. I think that's such a big lever that's not talked about enough. So how did you meet your partners? I mean, because it's, it's interesting because you got into this like in 2019, which yeah. isn't that long ago. No, and you've made some strategic partnerships that have gotten yeah. you to where you're at today. How did you form those relationships or where do they come from? Yeah, so I actually met my two partners that I have today in a break room at the air traffic control facility. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this whole thing like came to fruition in the break room in between work and airplanes on a radar scope. uh, And we just started talking about buying real estate, you know, and and one of my partners had just closed on a fourplex uh, on his own in Cleveland. And I thought it was the coolest thing. And that was right around the time that I, I read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, we got to figure this out. And um, so initially we were like looking at doing like individual deals on our own. And then I came up with the idea. I was like, what, do, what if we put our money together and then JV'd on something? And then that was the 32 Smart. unit building in Indy. Are they um, still working? They're out. Are they out? No, they're out as well. So wow. we all, we all left. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, we all punched out of there. And we walked away from pensions too. Because if you do 25 years, Jeez, uh, they'll, pay you, they'll pay you a pension the rest of your life. And, and honestly, that. uh, that's kind of a more gnarlier job than people think too. Yeah. Air traffic control is more stressful, right? It's like yeah. stream. It's like you did think it's like, oh, you're kicking back. It's not really. That's not how it really yeah. goes. You know what? It's it's funny because when I was doing it, people would always ask, like, oh, is it stressful? But I never thought it was. But now removed from it, I look back and I'm like, wow, like the lack of sleep, the shift work, working constant weekends and holidays overnight, um, you know, never being around your friends and that sort of thing. But then also when you're in there, you, you got to turn it on. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm so much more relaxed now. You can't really I'm make I'm mistakes either. It's no. like, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like a problem. Like, Whoops. Yeah. 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 I, there yeah. was a guy that I knew that was one. He says, actually, they got paid outside. And he said, it's just way more stressful than people think. Yeah. You're just like, like you said, he's working all these crazy hours. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It was interesting. He said that um, this morning when I was getting my blood drawn at that place. Yeah. The guy Tony's in there. He was like, uh, 27. He's like, you know, I just want to s- level up in life. And I didn't go to school. So he's like, you know, I think I'm behind. And I was like, well, there's a hack for that. He's yeah. like, whoa, whoa, what do you mean there's a hack? I said, just get around other people mm-hmm. like that are 
like a mastermind. He's like, what do you mean? I go, there's a lot of smart people, entrepreneurs that never finished school, dude, that are crushing it. Yeah. He's like, you don't think I need more schooling? I go, not at this point. I think you need to get around different people, like you said. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know who you're around, but if you're not leveling up, it's because you're just not around people that are making you level up. And that's where I absolutely. think it's more powerful than, and it's not talked about enough. Like, No, absolutely. I, I completely agree. I, I think when you get around old friends and like the only thing you have in common is talking about the past, well, I'm, I'm more concerned <laughs> yeah. about the future than the yeah. past, right? Yeah. And so I think if that's the only thing you have in common, it's definitely a red flag, you know? And people are like, oh, you changed. Well, it's like, yeah, without change, there's no growth, right? Of course. You, you should be change. worried if yeah. you haven't changed. Yeah. yeah, it's wild. I We are not. Like, it's so funny because I joke about when we hang out with people. I'm like, it needs to be productive. Like, I'm not the kind of person that just, like, goes over to someone's house and, like, chills on the couch yeah. you know yeah, like we're just yeah. not we're yeah. we're doing things we're yeah. being productive we're trying to build things you know yeah. like help our friends make money like those are the things we love yeah. doing and i think it's just like anything whenever you pick up a new habit like mm-hmm. it's it's hard to get started but once you get going on it it's pretty addictive i completely agree i think there was a period when i when i quit the air traffic control job to where i was doing some traveling and i was kind of hanging out and i was like oh this is cool for for a couple months but then i got bored i was like man i i need more and i think what i realize is like what truly makes me happy in life and I didn't realize this till recently is like is continual growth and progress if I'm not growing I'm not progressing I get bored yeah I'm a part of a mastermind Avengers and it's 100 mil have you heard of any of those yeah so there's a lot of uh, entrepreneurs so it's kind of cool because I when I first I never was a part of a mastermind we kind of just like sat in our offices and did all this stuff and just work 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 kind of like you did just Mm -hmm. we were just doing this and then we decided to share it on the podcast. Like, I didn't know you do all this stuff. I said, I didn't know I was supposed to air that I did all this. Yeah. And then I started realizing that, um, you know, let's get around different people. Absolutely. And so I walk in a room and I'm like, there's a hundred people. You don't know who they are. And now two and a half, two years later, I'm into this. And it's like amazing. I walk in a room, like, I know everybody, what they do, all the levels. But when I walked in, everybody to me was on the same playing field. But then you realize they're really not, but yeah. they just act like it. But then people that could just stop and retire very, very comfortably. They're just like, no, that's, that's not the game. That's not the freedom. Cause no. you just get bored. And it's, it's, I don't know. I just think like people think that sounds fun. Yeah. It's like people say when they exit a company, they go travel and go crazy for yeah. six months. And they're like, let's do another one. Like, are you crazy? They're like, I'm bored. Right. And so that's how these guys are. And Crystal came to the last one and you met them. And some of them are just like, I'm done. I'm not going to build a company, but I'm investing. You know, I'm doing this, but they just cannot sit still because they're like, dude, I'm just going to die. Well, I noticed too, once you reach a certain level too, like where you could retire today if you wanted, Mm -hmm. but you're not is the new, I think game is really like helping other people. Mm -hmm. Like that's where you get some, like, you know, you get like a good feeling by, because you're helping other people grow and you want to help your friends and your family to build wealth and to have financial freedom and all of that kind of stuff, which is really cool to see like in a group of people that are now at a level where they're like, how can we help other people? Yeah. How can I do that? I completely agree. There's definitely a feel good about it, but, um, it's also like, you know, helping someone buy their first, you know, rental property. Yeah, exactly. It's life changing for them. Right. Um, and, and if it wasn't for you, it, they probably would have never done it, you know, and yeah. that's, that's a powerful feeling. Yeah. I mean, we're, we, we do that for a living and we do, we deal with a lot of people that are first time buying. So it's mm. exciting. They're like, we have the same conversation and it's this, and it's like, they usually end the conversation going, damn, I never thought of that stuff. I said, well, how could you? 
Yeah. It's your first time. Right, right. I'm 18. Even if I never bought anything myself, I'm 18 years in this business. Like if you bought your first deal to now, the questions you ask, and I always tell people yeah. like, I'm going to do this. I'm all this forever. And I said, no, you're not. Like, yeah, I go, no, you're not. Because the conversation you're going to have with yourself or your partners and the third deal mm -hmm. is way different than now. Like you think I said, I don't think I just know. Yeah. Like it's crazy. 100%. Yeah. So I do, I, I also say the same thing about partnerships yeah. is like, be careful because it's like a marriage. Mm. Like you definitely want to vet and make sure and all of that kind of stuff. So what is kind of your advice now that you have had partners and it sounds yeah. like everything's gone well with yeah. your partners? What were the kind of criteria or things that you guys discussed to make sure it was going to be successful? Yeah. Well, the first thing is you always want to make sure that they're just a good human being, right? Yeah. Do you guys have the same morals? Are they going to do the right thing? How do they talk to others? How do they treat people, right? Because like as you're going to grow as partners, you're going to bring on team members um, and people that are going to help you grow the business together. And you better make sure that they treat others the way that you treat others, right? Or mm -hmm. want to be treated. And so I think that's the first thing. But then the next thing is you want to make sure that you complement each other well. Um, for example, um, you know, I... I love the art of the deal. I love sourcing deals. I love okay. working with brokers. Um, I love trying to like vision how the deal is going to play out, what the business plan is going to look like. Um, but if your partner is also a deal finder, you guys aren't going to complement each other well, right? Yeah. And so um, one of my partners is really like analytical. He loves underwriting. And so we yeah. complement each other yeah. really well, okay. right? Um, and typically the deal finder is going to be good at raising capital as well. So I kind of focus on both of those arms. Okay. You know, You're the social one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what gets me excited. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, You're like, like, I don't want to look like, at the numbers. Yeah. yeah. Like hanging out here with you guys right now, just chatting real estate. Like I get excited about this. Yeah. Stuff, you know? Um, and so, you know, and then there's always going to have to be someone that does a lot of the back end stuff, you know, some of the more boring stuff, but some people love that kind of stuff, you know? And so I think those two things are, are what's most important. I was going to ask you too, before we start digging into more of the stuff, um, what do the people think now that were kind of like, why'd you cash out for okay? You quit your job. Like what's your family, friends, what are they kind of, are they kind of like still yeah. cautiously yeah. stoked for you? Yeah. Or? You know, it's funny. Cause like, you know, early on, a lot of people said, Oh, it's too risky. Even my parents, they, they said like, Oh, don't partner, don't raise money. Don't quit your job. Um, but now, now they see a little success and they're like, Oh, like they're happy for me. Right. So now they're supportive of it. That's yeah. cool. I think that's one thing people need to remember because you hear people talking about like, you know, like a Gary V or some of these guys will be like, you know, screw your family. Who cares what they right, say? Don't listen right. to them. They're hating. And it's like, actually, no, it's coming from a place of love, yeah. but that means that they're just scared for you. Yeah. Like they want the best for you. And it doesn't, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but yeah. it also doesn't mean that you should just do what they say either. Right. You know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So it, it's it, a lot of it's putting on those blinders and, and getting around the right people, you know? Gives you the confidence. Yeah, it changes. Absolutely. Yeah, changes. So I want to talk to you about your, um, the vacation rental business. Yeah. We were talking outside. How, um, obviously there's multifamily we'll get into. Uh, I think we always say multifamily is pretty like basic, boring 101, yeah. but it's solid as a rock. That's yeah. just what I, and I'm sure you agree the same thing. Yeah. It's kind of like almost indestructible. We yeah. went through, I mean, we went through uh, COVID Everybody's like, nobody's going to pay rent. And everybody freaked out. And then everybody realized they paid rent because where are they going to go? And yeah. then I think vacation rentals went through the same thing where it's like everybody canceled. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, this is yeah. over. And then it went kapoom. And yeah. now it's like everybody needs to get out and travel. Yeah. And um, I'm part of a, I told you, mastermind. And they're saying, and maybe you know this, you know, people raise money to buy homes. People raise money to do startups. People raise money to buy multifamily. But now the new big thing is people are raising money or putting funds together to do the VRBO, the vacation rental model. Yeah. And Walt, and they're starting to 
buy a lot, package it from the management, the whole thing. I think they're going to start selling this to Wall Street. Yeah. It's like there's going to be the first acquisitions because, like you said, the returns are crazy yeah. if you run it right. Absolutely. I was going to ask you, how did you get into it? First of all, like how did you just get into that space? Yeah. So I kind of backed into it. So I actually, I had a, I did a couple no money down deals. They were primary residence loans through Navy Federal Credit Union here oh, in San okay. Diego, and I technically you know lived on the property for a little bit while I was setting it up. But after you send those loan docs, I mean, there's no say in what might happen to your plans, right? And so um, first one was a two bedroom condo here in Bankers Hill, San Diego. Um, launched that thing, um, and right before the pandemic, and then the pandemic hits and. Yeah, like, you know, the ADR went down, but I was still keeping the thing booked. And then the second one was actually in May of the pandemic during Mother's Day of 2020. And there was a lot of bad news, right? People yeah. were terrified at the time. And there was this property in Linda Vista. This couple had, like, basically rehabbed this whole property. They had furnished it. They built an ADU that was brand new. Uh, wow. And they literally furnished it, and they were going to STR it. And then the pandemic hit, and they got scared. They even had a couple reservations on the calendar. And uh, so they listed this thing on Mother's Day. And uh, I, I remember showing up to tour it. I, I went direct to the listing oh, agent. right up here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it turns out the listing agent was the seller. And so um, I was asked, it's a beautiful property. And uh, so I was asking her, hey, do you guys have a lot of showing scheduled? And she's like, well, there's a bunch for tomorrow, but none for today because it was Mother's Day. So I said, hey, I'll give you whatever you want for it. Let's lock it up right now. And there was also a, a, a garage under the ADU that had nine foot ceilings. It had a level slab. Oh my You're like, God. Okay. To electrical. And so I thought, well, this could be a J ADU. Yeah. Um, and so I, I said, I'll give you whatever you want. So I, I, we locked it up that same day and, uh, that thing has been cash flowing like crazy. I mean, ever since there was a small window during the pandemic there where was, there were a huh? lot of deals yeah. to be had. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fear, fear definitely means mm -hmm. that there's opportunity in absolutely. the market. I mean, if, if you learned anything from like the Warren Buffett, it's, he just waits for fear and it's like, that's when you deploy, right? If you have yeah. the guts, if you know, and some people, it's funny, they're, they never bought before they enter in a market and they're like, I'm not scared and just buy. They just yeah. bought right at the right time. Like, and you're just like, you knew you're like, Oh, you know, you yeah. kind of know, but you don't know. But yeah. So, um, so you started there, you're running your own then. Yeah. So I was self-managing at the time. And then, um, as I was kind of growing the portfolio, I slowly started hiring like team members. The first one was an assistant who did like a lot of the guest communication for me. Um, and then, as I started hiring more team members, building out the team, I was like, okay, well, maybe we can manage for third party. And so started doing that. Um, but now we kind of see this entity as like um, something that we want to keep boutique because as we started to bring on more and more third party clients, you realize it's an emotional investment for these people. Um, a lot of the clients invested in these syndications with me, these apartments, and that's very like non-emotional. You're investing in an LLC. They're like, yeah. here's my money. And you never hear from them, right? It's yeah. not sexy. It's not yeah. fun, right? It's like, yeah. Yeah. And so I noticed with a couple individuals, it's like, okay, you bring them over to the short-term rental side. Now their name or their LLC like is on title and they want to be part of every little decision. Um, it's a and home, so, yeah, you know, yeah. you're like, oh. And so I'm like, I told the team, I'm like, look, let's, we're investors first, right? We're not, we're not yes people. Let's treat this entity um, to not only manage our own portfolio as we grow it, um, but also the boutique hotels that we're going to take down with pack three. Um, and then let's only work with select clients and the best properties and that's it. And we'll say no to everything else. And it, honestly, it feels good to say no, mm -hmm. you know, oh, it does. This, the first time I said, no, I'm like, who else can yeah. I say no to? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> 
So I think that that's like an empowering thing too. And you never realize, cause I think when you first get started, you want to say yes to everything mm-hmm. cause you're new and you feel like you're kind of yeah. like having to earn your keep. Absolutely. And then after that, you're kind of like, why am I still doing this? See, I've built a whole business and I can't say yes to everything. And you don't yeah. realize like the opportunities that you're, you're not able to see when you're dealing with like, you know, those high maintenance people or yeah. issues or whatever. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And sometimes you just don't know until you, you, you get in with someone and then you're like, whoa, you know, you see this yes. other side. But um, I think we've been doing a much better job of kind of qualifying on the front end and just being like, hey, you know what? We're not going to be a fit but let me introduce you to another management company that might be a great fit for you guys. You know, that's how you do it. And it feels wonderful. Yeah, it really does. You know, I, the last thing I want is, is 200 client properties with 200 different headaches and, um, and then my team being all stressed out because of it, you know? Yeah. And I yeah. agree. I think it's also just like an, like being aligned. Like yeah. I learned too, I had certain clients that like, they were so easy because we were both aligned in yeah. our vision and the mm-hmm. way that we handle things. And then I think some of the higher maintenance clients, you're like, maybe there's somebody else who's just a better fit for you. That's going to make you feel yeah. more comfortable. Yeah. And, and they're usually and that's is, okay. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, when you manage, you're managing like three things. You're managing the asset. Yeah. You're managing the people that live in the asset mm-hmm. or visit the asset. Yep. And then you're managing the personality of the owner. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what people don't realize about property management. If you have 200 different properties and 200 different owners, yeah. you have 200 different personalities. Absolutely. Not and even, you have more. You have like 600 or whatever no, because you have saying, your tenant. No, you I was saying owner, just as the yeah. owner. That has yeah. nothing to do with the yeah. tenant. Yeah. The tenants, well, the pro- here's the tenants coming go. They can be gone a week. Yeah. Like, God, but us, we have a tenant for a year or two. You're like, we cannot. This person's just never going to leave us alone, you know? Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And that's why I love this boutique hotel model because I'm like, okay, smart. we can go and pick up 10, 12 rooms at a time. And so it kind of gives you a little more economies of scale from an operation standpoint. It's a little bit easier to manage because you got the same repair maintenance, you get the same housekeeping and that sort of thing. But then also the owners is me and, and my two partners, right? And mm-hmm. so you're not dealing with all these different personalities that you got to, you know. Are you up and running on that yet? or? So we're, we got our first one under contract. We're closing on it uh, August 8th up in uh, Shelter Cove, California. Okay. This property is so unique. It's on the water. Um, the seller has owned it for 20 years. Wow. It's a 2001 built property. So it's, wow. it's not even yeah. that old. It's got great bones. He's taken great care of the property. Um, it's beachfront. Uh, 10 rooms they all have living rooms uh, fireplaces kitchens and um, literally all 10 like overlook the water so my partner Mike and I we, we flew up there after we got it under contract the seller flies us up there at a small airplane and um, it's literally like it's you fly into this airport right and it's like northern California up near the Oregon border um, and there's a golf course around the airport to the left of the golf course is this hotel and it's a very like rural area like it's very quiet they call it the lost cove right and um, so we go up there we're like man this it's very quiet up here like i don't know if our business plan's going to work you know but uh, we actually got in with the hotel manager at the hotel next door that's exactly 10 rooms and uh, we ended up having some drinks with her that night she ended up showing us, showing us all their revenue all their books and everything so cool and so they were doing 5x the revenue this hotel was doing just because the operations were much better wow so this seller is like not no marketing nothing on Airbnb nothing on Verbo literally just relying on old this school. old website yeah. and just taking direct bookings well no one knows about them they're not on social media nothing and so by seeing the hotel next door what they were doing that gave us the confidence to really move Proof forward. Proof of concept, yeah. 100%. How did you find the deal? It was sitting on LoopNet. That is the oh craziest Oh my thing. gosh, always, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. People always say, like, LoopNet's the worst. And I'm like, yeah. you're wrong. 
Like yeah. we've gotten so many deals that were on LoopNet that yeah. just kind of went stale and people stopped yeah. paying attention Stuff and they were can, solid yeah, yeah. deals. I like mean, they fell out of escrow a few times or whatever. Yeah. And I'm, you're like, there's perfectly good deals you can get on LoopNet. Absolutely. Um, I remember I was, I was actually down in Medellin, Colombia sitting in a coffee shop and I was just browsing LoopNet and I saw this deal and I was like, okay, well, let me call the broker. And it turns out, you guys know AirDNA. They put out a bunch of yeah. infrastructure yeah. rentals. It turns out this town was like on one of the up and coming like markets. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I called the broker and um, she was like, yeah, there's been a lot of groups interested, but um, people are afraid because it's so rural. And um, so I think we were the only group that actually took the time to fly up there and do some due diligence. And uh, we realized, wow, this is like a really good deal. The seller's basically giving it away to us. 1.5 million. What? Front. That's yeah. nothing. And so we're like, man, we can turn this from 1.5 to 5 in 12 months just through renovating and bringing in good operations. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of other issues with the property. But yeah, they have sure. in, in basically on-site management. This couple lived there for six, seven years now. And check this out. Like, we go up there. Literally, we stay at the hotel. There's one occupant out of the 10 rooms. Oh so they get 10% occupancy. But the managers are there. And they're taking up two of the 10 rooms. Just living there. They've been there seven years, beachfront. And the hotel manager next door, she's like, yeah, I used to work over there. I know them. She goes, they're stealing from the owner. Um, they're basically getting paid to live there, and they're not even working on the property. They go and take side jobs in the town, and they don't put any effort in the property, and, and, and it shows. you know. But uh, the first thing we're doing is we're, we're getting rid of them. We're bringing those two rooms online. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go rent over there. <laughs> How do you handle... Um, like these out of area projects, like you're based in San Diego. Do you spend a lot of time up there initially getting things set up or how do you guys work within your partnership to get properties kind of like renovated and stabilized? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, there's a lot of systems and processes that have to definitely go into it. Um, I think with any like short term rental hospitality stuff, you really only need two boots on the ground. That's uh, housekeeping and then maintenance. Right. So if you yeah. can, if you can, so tie those two, two things down, you can operate virtually or remotely if you would. Um, but then the rehab is the tricky part. So with this particular deal, we don't know any contractors up in that area. Uh, it's hard to fly contractors in and out of there, but the seller has a construction business and he, he did take very well, good, uh, good care of the property and he knows it very well. He's going to do a seller finance. And so oh, he's going to sell or finance the deal. And so we told him, we said, look. So you'd basically have to pay cash for that. Yeah. Otherwise, or hard money or something. Tough, yeah. yeah. And so uh, we said, look, like he, he's, he's attached to this hotel. It's a very emotional thing for him. He's owned it for 20 years. It's like his baby. So he wants to see it do good. So he's going to stay on and sell or finance it. And we, so we said, Brian, his name's Brian. We said, hey, look, um, what are the chances that we could use your construction team and uh, we could use them with your expertise to rehab the hotel. We want to rebrand it. This is what we want to do to it, but we want to bring it back to life, and we want you to be a part of it with us. And he loved it. And That's so, so cool. So his team's going to fly out there. They're going to stay at the hotel and just crank it out, you know. And so these guys are out there, you know, away from their families. They, they have an alignment of interest to get it done quickly. So we're going to shut it down in the wintertime when it's slow season, crank it out, and then we'll refi into some perm debt once uh, we get the revenue up and we prove the new model. But the coolest part is this, is like the seller is going to finance the deal. But when we pay him off a year later, guess what he's going to do? He's going to give us that money right back for the next project. Oh, uh, yeah. That's the real kicker. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you're building friendship, bond. And he's yeah. like, well, well and you he's guys also getting the, the business like for his business. You know, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. What are you guys going to make it just cool, trendy, Instagrammy, the whole like just to get people there? Yeah, we're going to do like really cool marketing, new branding, uh, new website. Uh, we're going to do a uh, container pool, actually. 
Oh, so you kind of see through it, and then you'll see the ocean there. It will have a jacuzzi. We're going to do wow. some heat lamps, fire pit area, outdoor games, and then just really operate this thing free of staff. But it's going to be amazing. And I, I think um, after this one, the guys and I are like, let's let's buy more of these deals, you know. And and they're so unique, and I think there's so much value add. Um, I was telling her before we started recording. You know, the thing with multifamily right now is like you might have to look and underwrite 200 to 250 deals to find one to buy right now uh, with boutique hotels. That's not the case. You might look at five deals to find one good deal. You know, it's funny is um, you mentioned the boutique hotels. So when the pandemic hit, if you remember this, um, well, Robert Kiyosaki didn't get rich off real estate by him. It's yeah. Ken McRoy. Yeah. So they started, they were talking about, I don't know if they did anything. They started a fund. Mm. They're going to start a fund to buy boutique hotels because they think people in the pandemic, and even now, it's like they're going to want to let us go or there's yeah. going to be problems. And um, we were on a call, like, remember that call we were on? Like, a, what's that? Like the Zoom call, but wherever it goes on there, the technology, not Instagram, Facebook, the, wherever it goes on there. You all go in a room, you chat. Oh, to the chat. Oh, the, yeah. Yeah, and there's this guy that does all these hotel lending. Yeah. You're on there, and he's telling. Clubhouse. Clubhouse, yeah. 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 He's <laughs> saying how, how many um, lenders were taken back to hotels all over. Mm. So I think a lot of people might have got out of business or let yeah. them run the ground. And I think. But also, know, I think the smart people, like you guys. You're onto something. Like, well, yeah. And also, like, what we've been hearing a lot, too, in the Avengers is, like, experiential yeah. real estate, mm. right? So you're talking about the vacation rental that you just bought in Scottsdale and all yeah. the fun things that are going to be on the property. And now yeah. you're doing the same thing with this property. And people really, like, our our generation really wants to have an experience if we're going to go on vacation. It's not necessarily, like, luxury. Um, people are talking about experiential real estate, like, where you yeah. want to go for an experience. We don't necessarily care about having, like, the highest-end luxury experience. It's more like, I want to have, like, a unique experience yeah. like yeah. something you fun. talk about that more yeah absolutely I, oh they had a pool that was yeah. you know it's like you talk about that and then you're yeah. gonna post it and you're gonna tag people exactly. and then yeah that's what you want we had a gentleman on our podcast um, a little while ago and um the name of the book but it's he talks about demographic shifts right i think it's called big shifts happening ahead and so he labels all the different generations um from the 30s if you were born in the 40s 50s all the way up but he he said our generation uh, the millennials, he, he called them the sharers because not only do they want to experience something, but they want to share it with all their friends. Yes. You know, and that's exactly what you were just talking about. He so. was just saying that too. Wait, like, is that the yeah. guy, is he, did he write something like 25 years ago and predict stuff? No, this, this one was a book called uh, big shifts ahead. Um, I forget the name of the author, but he's, it, you guys should have older. He's, uh, maybe like mid forties, late forties. Okay. Cause yeah. Tony Robbins just had some guy on uh -huh. coming to his house that he predicted this stuff 25 years ago, but mm. he was just talking about the, huh? John Burns. Okay. Yeah. He's, okay. he's talking about the same thing as like our generation because of like the movies he watched and the, yeah. how we got brought up. We're more like, let's do stuff together. Yeah. And then he was saying, as, as we can see with our politicians now, they all hate each other and they yeah. can't get along. They get in a room, they want to kill each other. Yeah. He's saying like back in the 1800 with politicians, now they cuss each other out. Back then they had guns <laughs> and knives and they were fighting yeah. each other yeah. in a room. So he says- We're the peaceful generation. No, the, but, but he right. said because of social media and how we were raised and the mm -hmm. movies we're watching, he goes, you don't realize it's all these things we got. He goes- Think about the past. They were talking about all this stuff, but he was saying how we are just changing our generation. Yeah. You know? And freedom isn't like I got a great job. Freedom is more like I can go do all these fun things in my life and have experiences, right? Our generation. Yeah. We want experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and who doesn't like a good experience? I love a good experience. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I think even when 
people that haven't gone somewhere, they're like, where are we going? This seems a little weird. Why are we going to the hotel? And they go and they go, oh, and it's like they're sold. Yeah. Well, just like yeah. Joshua Tree, you know, mm. that's like blown up out there. Yes, and they have has. like the coolest vacation homes. Yep. And it's like, what's in Joshua Tree? Really not much. But now you have all these <laughs> exactly, like yeah. Instagrammy yeah. worthy, you know, like vacation rentals. You just want to go there just to go stay in a cool place. Yeah, you're exactly right. And there's so many of those little areas like popping up everywhere right now. Yeah, well, yeah. COVID, I think pushed us all there, right? We're like, yeah. I mean, we were traveling a lot during COVID and I think a lot of people were giving us shit because we have small kids, but yeah. we were going and we were traveling all over and there was people that were like, yeah, we're just traveling until we're told to come back to the office yeah. at Apple or Google. There are all these guys. Yeah. So they'd be working all day and all this traveling all over, but they were like, they were going to places. They're just like, we're just seeking the experience. Get yeah. the hell out of here. And they're like going to Mexico and in the mountains. There's like all this yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah. So I think you guys are definitely on to something. I do think that um, there is so much money um, and flow of money going into multifamily, you know? Yeah. And like we always say, they weren't really coming into California or San Diego because everybody's scared of this market. Yeah. Yeah. But we went to Texas and we Florida. went to Florida and we spent a lot of time looking at deals, traveling, and we're like, <laughs> The guy's like, basically, let me tell you, their offers are going to come everywhere around the country, everywhere around the world, this and that. And I go, yeah, San Diego, if you have 100 units, I can tell you who the buyer is going to be pretty right, much. We, yeah. right. we know. But we'll have like 10 offers here. And not that's 100. Crazy. Yeah. Not 50 or right. Yeah, you don't need to go a million yeah. hard day one. Like, yeah. and, and that, that was, and they're going, and I said, yeah, because everybody just here is scared of the market. They don't really understand it. Right. It's kind not of, landlord we're a little insulated here, but. These other markets, it's like scary. The off, like it's oh, crazy. It's yeah, and you saw it. I mean, insane. I mean, in twenty twenty one, it was like any any decent deal that had a decent pricing guidance, um, broker listed would have uh, fifty property tours and like thirty five plus offers. Crazy. <laughs> oh and, and by the time you get to best and final, I mean, like we would see what these things would trade for. Like, what are they seeing that we're not seeing? Like, it didn't even make, make any sense. Yeah, yeah, it's just like yeah. a race to see who will pay the most. Yeah, yeah. No, it's crazy. I mean, we sold that first thirty two unit building. We we sold. Um, a few months ago, we went full cycle on it. And this is a C-class property, 1960s vintage. It had all the plumbing issues. It had all the repair maintenance expenses. And we only renovated 50% of the units. And this is in a suburb of Indianapolis. And the buyer paid a 3.7 cap rate on actuals, on T3 actuals. And he, they raised money for the deal. I'm like, okay. I, it'll probably work out. I mean, they're going to they're gonna renovate the rest of the units and, and maybe the rent growth will continue. I think it's a good location, but that just tells you like 3.7 cap rate on a C-class property in the Midwest. That's why we didn't that's even insane, buy out. Right? I'm like, I'll just buy in San Diego then. Yeah. I can buy 3.7 3. Yeah, cap exactly, all day long. Exactly. And we and here, they don't build here. You know that. Yeah. Like you can't, you know what they're building. Yeah. It's only expensive. There's no seeds they're building here. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. And so, um yeah, Grant Cardone was even saying now, because I know he wasn't really buying deals, but he yeah. says, now I'm talking about deals where somebody bought it for 640 a door, I'm trying to buy it for 480. Mm. He's probably going to take crappy debt, but he'll just refi out. I don't know if you heard of Michael Becker, heard of him? I know Michael, Michael Becker, Becker, yeah. Yeah, yeah so great. he uh, recently was on, they were not doing much podcast, but he was on talking about, he said I was going to buy eight deals this year. I yeah. bought one because I was an exchange, but he's also saying, I told people yeah. outside the outside areas, you know, be careful. You're paying almost the same cap rate as like, you know, in town yeah. or urban. And now these people are kind of like, oh, crap, you know, yeah. and a lot of them have the bridge debt and all that. So it's going to be interesting. Absolutely. I think a great example of that is is like the Phoenix market, you know, Phoenix market, Scottsdale, that area. 
everyone's migrating out there and cap rates are so low now. It's like, well, I might as well buy in San Diego mm-hmm. near the water in a climate that has a good year on weather. And honestly, I'm, I'm bullish in San Diego. I mean, if you look at yeah. the four major markets in California, you got the Bay Area, Los Angeles, Orange County, and San Diego. Well, San Diego is the cheapest in terms of real estate prices, but you could argue it's got the best climate. It's got the best beaches. It's got the most like cool things to do. And then geographically, like the way it's positioned, um, there's not a lot of land to build on. Where are the four walls, right? No, yeah. To the north, you've got Camp Pendleton. And then to the west, you've got the Pacific Ocean. To the south, you've got the Mexican border. And then we and say we have the mountains. Yeah, so the mountains. Yeah. And, and you're so, not really building out there. So And so I'm, yeah. I'm bullish on San Diego long term if you can you know buy the right deal here and then hold it long term. The yeah. difference you know? is it's funny, though, because we talk to these like investors from Texas and stuff, and they'd yeah. be like, I own 500 units. And you're like... <laughs> I own 30, but they're like worth the same. Is <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I think here it's, uh, we, we, we know a lot of people here that we're like all of her clients are not syndicators. Yeah. They're all like mom, pa bought yeah. some have thousands to 500 to 80 to fit whatever yeah. it is. And they just built it here and they never went out anywhere. And they're just, they're not even bullish. They're just like, this has worked for me here. Yeah. I don't really want to go anywhere yeah. and I, you know, I'm not. And so we've been surrounded by that. And then we went and checked out. We we're like, look at the map. We're going, is this city better? Crystal's like, no. And you got to get on a plane. You got to do this and that. She's like, where's the benefit? She goes, I don't, they don't have rent control. What else? Yeah. They don't have rent control. That's it. Yeah. That's and then, it. and then, but in Florida and place where they're going up, you know, they try to put a rent control in West Palm beach. Cause my dad's there and they're like, they squashed it. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. They started it here and squashed it, yeah. and then eventually they got it. So yeah. I was like, when you have rent raises that much, it's almost like you're almost going to have it there. So I'm kind of like. Also, besides this last boom, appreciation yeah. in San Diego is like, I think, easily higher than most other places Absolutely. in the country. So you're going to get that equity build yeah. that you're not going to get in a lot of these other markets besides like this last boom or like yeah. during boom time. So you have to be strategic because people ask me all the time. I'm like, yeah, I'll buy in Arizona or Texas or any of these yeah. places at the right time in the market yeah. but today is not it not right. at the top you don't right. buy at the top you buy when there's like deals yeah. you know like blood in the streets you know yeah. people are scared absolutely so speaking of market i mean so what what the hell happened with sprout yesterday oh they my just, gosh like, non-QM and then yeah. they just folded yeah it's funny you know that wow you're in the end no um i think there's you know rumor is i don't know who but there's more coming okay so we were uh so i'm with c2 uh financial broker sure and they're just happen to be the biggest broker. They're here. And so we were at this C2 Connect event. And I'm telling you the story. It's funny. Yeah. So one of the guys that I know, you know, Mike at Luxury, um, been in the business 40 years. Everybody gets on stage and has this pitch. And I don't really go to this thing. So I'm hearing him pitch. And then Mike gets up there and he goes, you know, guys, as you can tell by me, I've been doing this probably longer than most of you. And he goes, I'm not going to tell you about our products and stuff. Like, you can look it up. Let yeah. me just be frank with you guys. And everybody's yeah. looking around like, what? He's like, Next year, we're going to be back here. Some of you are going to be here, and some of you are not. Wow. And I'm not talking about all those. I'm talking about lenders. And everybody looked around. He goes, so who your lender is, you better know your balance sheet. You better know this. And so to answer your question, it's whether we're seeing it in crypto, we're seeing it in people that raise money to invest it in venture capital, right? Mm-hmm. If you depend on, if you listen to like the All In podcast, if not, I highly recommend it. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, so it's good. amazing. Okay. Chamath and stuff. Okay. So I listen to all these things. Yeah. So crypto blown up, the VC market where people raise money, never mm-hmm. raised money before, went out and invested all these, you know, startups. Yeah. Well, that market's imploding. Mm-hmm. They're going through a depression. Crypto's going through a depression. Yeah. 
I mean, I think you're going to find, like you said, people with multifamily that raise, either they're going to make it through or they're going to have to sell and loss. Yeah. So it's going to be, Michael Becker said, you're going to be calling your investors for more money. Mm. That call's coming. Yeah. Just like this is um, rates were low. And so the problem is, is you have a lot of lenders take sprouts. They don't really have a balance sheet, meaning they're not backed by a bank. They're not backed by a fund or somebody. So they have to sell these products and you start doing all these crazy risky products. It's great. But when the secondary market decides I don't want it and yeah. they just stop, what people don't realize is that that's where like, I was locked in and they just didn't do my loan. I said, exactly. Like they are, they just sold a tranche of a hundred million dollars and took a loss. Yeah. They're like, we're not going to do it again. They're just like shut down. So what happens is they do this over and over and they, at some point they realize we're not going to recover. Yeah. Got to get out. And so there are some lenders that do the DSCR and stuff. And that's what I look for. Like for example, luxury, which people don't know, they're actually um, 50% of their ownership is by Starwood Capital, mm. which is Barry Sternlich, which is, he owns $100 billion of real estate. Sure. But they have $10 billion in the bank. If that guy needs to go get $10 billion more, he can make a few calls. Right. Pretty connected. Right. And so a lot of the other ones we use, they have bank, you know, they're just balance sheeting on their banks. Mm. The problem with these guys, they have to sell. They can't sell, they'll go under. Mm. And so what you're seeing is all these Sprouts is one of the most aggressive non-QM. I think they just got... Uh, way too aggressive. And so what happened the beginning of the year was, and I was telling Sir Crystal, you have Fannie Freddie rates and then you had non-QM and we were like this close in pricing. And I was like, why wouldn't you just buy Fannie and Freddie? Why would you buy this yeah. if you're a secondary? And then the right. secondary literally woke up one day and said, wait a minute, these teams, this is too close here. Like yeah. it was like this far and it went to this. Yeah. And they just said, yeah, we're not buying. So somebody went out to sell a pool of 100 million, let's say, yeah. and all of a sudden they're like, no hello, buyers. where's the buyers? There's yeah. no buyers. They pull back and the whole market, they, this goes and everybody's like, what? So that's why you saw non-QM go from like- Like hard money week. rates now. They yeah. literally went, know, right? and they went, they went and just said rates up, no notice. Everybody went from like, you can get a 3.875 to all of a sudden we went to four and eight. It, it, they just, because, and then they went out, anybody at four and a half? Nope. Yeah. Okay. Anybody at five? Can I get a, a Nope. Five and a half. I got a five and a half here. Take it. And this is what happened. Yeah. So there's people that sold all these. And then now, like I tell everybody, it's a little bit greedy in the market. Yeah. They're like, well, you're still doing loans. You guys are still paying for them. So it's 7%. It's six. Yeah. And we have deals in now where people didn't lock. They went up. And I go to the investor. Like, what's your investor? Like, yeah, they're not going to do anything. They're staying at this level. Yeah. I'm like, but they could come down. Yeah. But they don't want to. Well, do you think that part of them is trying to make some of the money back that they lost on previous tranches? Like right, they took true. such a hit. No, also the secondary member, they bought stuff at three, you know, four percent. They're like, that's yeah. not a big return for non-QM. They're like, yeah, we'll take a sevens for a while so we can so yeah. like balance. Well, out. yeah, who's doing well now are all the private money lenders too. All oh, these like yeah. little yeah. small private money guys yeah. are like, sure, I'll take your deal. Yeah, I'll make it easy. I don't absolutely. need all that paperwork. Yeah. So you're just seeing like you know. Um, and I was telling Crystal, uh, Grant Cardone had a guy um, I was listening to when we were with you, Monty, and Nick gave me the interview. I was listening to the Grant interview, his broker. Uh -huh. I you saw the interview on his 10X. So Grant has a I broker haven't. that's done 50 billion in deals wow. and I think it was 5 billion of grants or something, half of it. Right. And he said something about multifamily. He goes, let me just tell you real quick why I like multifamily over a lot of the other stuff. And it's kind of like Fannie, Fannie Freddie Real Estate. He goes, Fannie and Freddie always lend. So if there's a crash and the secondary is gone and you're trying to do a hotel or commercial or industrial, right. Fannie doesn't do that, but they'll do multifamily. Right. Fannie, Freddie, FHA, VA, conventional, there's always a buyer there. It's our government. Yeah. 
So with the non-QM, they can just turn it off like that. Jumbo could get turned off like that. So and we've seen it like in the pandemic, yeah, right? When it like hit, everybody was shut so down. I think people forget. We knew this, like we were talking yesterday, like to Rose, we we're talking about how 120 lenders within six months, like last time imploded, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think people forget is as much as they can turn it on, think it to turn it off. Also, we have the R word approach, you know, technically we're, here. we're in a recession. Yeah. If we had two negative quarters, these secondary guys are like, well, what's that mean? Yeah. Real estate's been pretty healthy, but they're like, what are we doing? And everybody's just like, People buying multi, like, ah, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like, I, I was just saying too to a lot of my clients, it's we're still lending, sure, but a lot of the executives are telling our bankers, like, you know what, just like go relax for the summer, take yeah. a vacation, like mm. just chill. We'll see how this thing shakes out at the end of the summer, you Absolutely. know. Like, so I think that's just kind of like the the mindset of people yeah. right now is just kind of like a wait and see, yeah, what's really gonna happen. And that's what the executives are telling people. So they're slowly, like, the people who are aggressive about it, they're just like, that's it. We're just going to stop lending for a while. Yeah. And then other people are like, we're just going to keep inching up our spreads and make it less attractive. And if you really want to do a deal with us, yeah. we'll make the extra margin, sure. But we're not, like, competing for your deals right Absolutely. Now. These spreads are crazy. Uh, we just had a client close on a short-term rental deal, uh, eight and a quarter, I believe. Yeah. I paid for that Scottsdale property. My hard money loan was 8%. Yeah. That's insane. Are you guys seeing a big slowdown right now in refis and purchases because of this environment? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Really? Oh, for sure. How drastic of a slowdown? Um, refis are, I would say, if you don't have purchase business, you're definitely dead. There's a for lot sure. of loan officers that don't have any business. Yeah, We've been network. fortunate. We're both pretty busy We're pretty right net, we're networked and doing right. a while. It's mainly purchases, but yeah. people are doing refis because they have to. But, yeah, you know, I tell anybody now, if you're refi or buying – you're just going to refi out yeah. later. Yeah. I mean, I think what most people like Crystal saying with the banks is like from the strategic, from the macro world is inflation all waiting for, it's all about inflation. Yeah. Like the Fed has clearly said, I don't care about anything else but inflation. Yeah. I'm willing to let the stock market tank, housing tank, everything tank. Because yeah. if you can't get that in control, it's a problem. Nothing else matters. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're up against this time clock, which is November, which is not looking good for the administration regardless. Right. But I think when Crystal says the bankers is because we got 75 basis points and they're like, we're doing another 75. And I think a lot of bankers they're starting to price it in. Yeah. And so a lot of bankers are like, you're a CEO of a banker going, okay, we're hitting summer. And, um, a lot of people don't do deals. Wall street guys go to their Hamptons house and you know, it's summer's yeah. a little chiller and it picks back up. And so I think they're just kind of like, well, we can start doing deals, but we could be in the middle of deals and then they hike again. And I got to tell Crystal's clients, I got to hike you. And then the deals make sense. Why don't we just wait to see what happens? Really, it's over the next 60, 90, 120 days because what they're trying to do is this hike, this first one definitely spooked the market. Like yeah. we saw like it rattled, it went over there and rattled the cage enough to where people were like, uh, you just woke me up. Yeah. This next one, I think people are now like, okay, we're going to get it or we're not. So we're just, I told Chris, we're just waiting for the inflation numbers. Well, I'll so tell fl- you all, a lot of my lenders are increasing spreads. So I have clients calling me every day treasury's down or rates down. I'm like, nope, they actually, they just went up, right? you know, right. and it's because they're just increasing their spreads right now. Yeah. Everybody's pricing in risk. Yeah. Like, so absolutely. that's what they're doing. And so we're not really following treasuries as much. And not to mention that most of our banks, you know, they borrow money at prime. Mm-hmm. So they want to stay right around prime, if not higher. Like, I mean, your non-QM stuff is like, you know, hard money, but like all of our conventional lenders, yeah. they're going to try to stay right around prime. 
That's yeah. that's their cost of borrowing. Absolutely. So it's it's not necessarily tied to treasuries like in a market like this when things are a little wonky and crazy. Like just because treasuries drop does not mean that rates are dropping. Absolutely. I, I like that the Fed's being like aggressive with these rate hikes just yes. to kind of get it over Rip with. The Rip the Thank off. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like I, I've heard some, you know, good news that their their the next inflation report might be a little bit better. Um, where do you see these rates navigating over the next two to three months if you guys were, were betting on it? So what's interesting is the 10 year. So like, let's just talk long term, 30 yeah. year, just normal, like normal housing rates. Most Absolutely. people do the Fannie Freddie. Um, the 10 year hit three and a half. The, the conventional rate, we're wholesale. So our rates are definitely better. But I would say the average went to like 6%. So that definitely, talking to people in the industry, definitely people are like, oh, okay. And you did see a little like pullback from buyers. Um, I don't know what the 10 year sitting at now. I know we hit yesterday, we almost hit like 278. I think it's climbing to three. So we saw rates come down almost like seven eighths in three weeks, yeah. which is good. So it was like rates are up, so they come down. Um, the other thing too is, you know, thank goodness we have, uh, there's, we have 50 lenders, we have banks, they have ARM products. So we do a lot of two to four. So I have people going, oh, I got this card rate. I said- You're, He's selling ARMS now, which you never hear in yeah. residential. But, yeah. but I have, you know, I got people buying a, let's say a four unit property, 25% down. They're going to some lender going, hey, the guy quoted me uh, six and a half at two points. Mm. I'm like, well, I just quoted somebody yesterday, uh, 4.875 with one and a quarter points. They're like, what? All of a sudden it's like, Whoosh. so right. luckily I have some of those products helping people out. So, but to answer your question, I think it's just going to be a very rocky road for two months. I definitely think- Two months? No, he's asking next yeah. two months. It's going to be a rocky road. I also think that um, regardless of inflation, Powell's definitely going to stick the seven. He's going to stick it to us yeah. because he's like, he clearly said is I'm going to keep tightening even as we go down inflation. He wants to make sure it's down and yeah. it stays. He doesn't want to do one of these because right. then he's like, so he's going to push us. He's going to have some pain. Make sure the, it doesn't linger. But the, the meetings our bankers are having, they're, they're anticipating rates to go up another point to point and a half by the end of the year. Okay. That's but the I, talk. But so. I always remind people, the stock market, the 10-year treasury, they're actually good to follow mm -hmm. because the, the bond, like the treasury market is a, the smart money. They're looking out. So why you saw the 10-year come down is they are thinking recession. Yeah. And so if inflation, I told Crystal, if inflation came out higher, that's really a problem for all of us because it's like shit's not working. And he, he, at that point, he might as well just go like one and a quarter and just like yeah. cut the legs off. Right. Um, if it comes down a little bit, you know, who knows? Like a guy like Chamath, who has saying all in, you'll love the podcast. Um, he's just worried about over the next three, four months of gnarly inflation too. Yeah. And the reason why they're saying that is this is you guys will understand is that the the rent data that's come up, it lags. Mm -hmm. So it it comes two, three months later. So right. it's starting to come in, the rent housing. And he goes, I'm worried that we're like thinking that really wasn't factored. Right. And we might get a bump and if you like freak out and he goes, I'm just saying guys, we have to look at all this. Yeah. Some of this stuff lags and it hits and we're like, why isn't, why did it go up? Yeah. So, Absolutely. you know, rents are raising, we're raising, everybody's yeah. raising. So it's, Absolutely. it's, it's going to be a bumpy road. But if we do the, the white house is in denial. Doesn't want to say we're in a recession because they don't want to, but at July 28th or whatever, they're going to really come out with the GDP numbers. So we yeah. officially, you're going to go from hearing like, no recession to every news station. We're in a recession and the psyche goes, but I think people are already starting to say, 
okay, let's enjoy summer. I've already booked my trip, already paid for it. Yeah. But after summer, I think we're going to see some serious tightening in the consumer. Absolutely. I think so. Oh, you can see it's got, it's already way down, right? But people yeah. already bought the trip. They already yeah. paid the ticket. They already paid for the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've already booked it. So they're like, oh, and in their mind, like, we're going to do this summer rock. trip. Yeah. We're going to do this, yeah. but we're, 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 we need to just watch our shit. We yeah. need to tighten the hatchet, you know? And, and to your point, I mean, with the short-term rental side, like I'm studying all these different markets that we're investing in and we're, we're buying client deals in. And we're looking at the AirDNA revenue by month over the last couple of years. And like you said earlier in the podcast was, you know, 2021 was a record year for short-term yeah. rentals in terms of like market revenue. Um, and a lot of people thought, well, it was because of the pandemic, 2022, people are going to like, it's going to come back to like an equilibrium. So I was looking at like the data from like March of this year versus March of last year and April of this year versus April last year. It? The numbers in all the markets we're in are like up another 50 to 60% yeah. from last year. Yeah. And that's got to be the inflation. It's got to be. And I, yeah. I think there's also more users that are electing to travel via short-term rental, but a lot of that's the inflation. There's just more money in the economy. Yeah. And then so we, what, we might get a little reprieve in the VRBO and the vacation rental sector because yeah. people forget a lot of international travels travelers yeah. are starting they're starting to ease and let loose and we're yeah. talking like all over yeah and the so yeah. Yeah. yeah and so people have been pent up for a long time so yeah. we might like when we we were in um napa and i always ask i'm like yeah. hey i know you get in they're like the international's dead yeah hasn't even hit so and yeah. they're still busy so you can't even get a hotel there so we'll get hit with it, especially san diego and different parts yeah but i think um i just think a consumer is definitely going to tighten i think you'll see it Got in it. i think you'll see it in you already see it in Amazon. You already well, see they're it. already rescinding job offers and like all that kind of stuff is already starting. Like they're talking yeah. about like the like Facebook and you know like Mark yeah. Zuckerberg came out and basically said, "Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that probably shouldn't be here." Yeah, you know. <laughs> and so I'm just basically gonna increase my standards, and if you can hang, great. If not, yeah. you're gone. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting time that we're in. Um, I got a live deal that I need to refinance here soon. I need to start the process. I was thinking of starting it here in a couple of weeks. I'd love to hear what your guys' thoughts are and if you guys possibly have any loan products behind it. Yeah. Um, so this property is in Scottsdale. Bought it in January of this year. Um, it was a fixer. Uh, 7,600 square foot with a guest house. Jeez. It was five bedroom, seven bath when we bought it. Um, it's going to be eight bed, eight bath um, with a speakeasy, fitness room we added wow. a beach volleyball court basketball court we got a putting green Sheesh. pickleball court and then we're doing like game room everything we like basically did a full round it's gonna be super sick when it's done um it's gonna be done here in a couple of weeks but i'm like let's start the process now and let's schedule the appraisal for a few weeks after yeah. you know um but i'm looking for something to allow me to pay off my hard money loan and then i have a small second on it so arv is going to be about 3.5 um, and I'm going to owe about 2.55 or so. So I'm looking for the highest LTV, um, rate and term, ideally cash out. If you do a little cash out, that'd be great. Do you guys have any products for it? Are you going to do like a DSCR loan? You thinking? Yeah, I think non-QM, no doc would be ideal. Um, but I, I'm, I'm willing to try the other route so, as well. So it's funny. I just, um, yeah. you could look at both, but I was just, um, emailed all of our DSCR lenders because asking, I, there's kind of like rumor now and it's out there. So they'll start using a what if scenario on vacation mm -hmm. rentals. If the uh, appraiser says, hey, this is comparable and gives you it, they'll start using the vacation rental model for income. Interesting. Help qualify. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I could probably look up and give you some pricing email or something, but that is an option. Or with that scenario, uh, look at probably like if we have any banks or something, they'll go that high loan amount and stuff. 
What's your LTV on that? 70? I think it's going to be around, if we did right in term, it'd be like seven, between 70 and 75. Yeah. So you might, DSCR might be the best for now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You just do IO. Okay. Yeah. And I can help with some like STR comps out there that will, will justify the revenue. Um, but yeah. Has it been a vacation one before you bought it? Or was it just has a, not. Okay. No, it has okay. not. So that you'll need somebody that's doing the future because you're going to get yeah. whacked on the, well, it depends. What do you think the long-term rental would be? Rent would be? Probably like 15000 a month, maybe. Long-term? So Long-term. Maybe you could squeeze in. It all but depends. STR would be much more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, what, however we get it done is, is all I care about. But I yeah. want to get out of this hard money load. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, with, you know, this climate that we're in, I want to refi before values start to, you know, kind of come back a little bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Smart to get it. I'll, I'll yeah. send you some stuff that we have for sure. Okay. We have a lot of good DSCR programs. So. Okay. That yeah. sounds good. He's like sought that. high and low too. Just really? rates were so terrible for mm. so long. He's like, there's got to be lenders out there that are doing better than like private money rates. Yeah. And so. I mean, DSCRs yeah. are higher, but there's still some, but I mean, you know, like I told people I would do what I'm telling people is don't do a crazy long prepay on it. Do a shorter prepay, take a higher rate. It depends if you're worried about value, maybe you'll think differently. Yeah. Um, but because if there's an opportunity to refi again, you're going to be like, damn, I'm stuck in a three or five year prepay. Some of these people right. like they're in prepays. They don't even understand. Yeah. They're on a 5% five year hard. They're going to yeah. get a refi or sell. They're going to be like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. A hundred grand or something. So it's yeah, crazy because in residential like owners are not, you know, commercial prepays, prepays just, just, yeah. you'll maintenance step down, whatever, but yeah. residential, I don't know people pay attention. They're like, just get it. They're like, wait a minute. What was that prepaid? They didn't yeah. ask. They just said, Oh, it's this. Well, it's crazy. Cause I, I was actually out uh, having lunch with a broker, a multifamily broker in uh, Cincinnati last week. And I remember, you know, underwriting deals a year ago in the multifamily space. And a lot of these had assumable loans with hefty yield maintenance prepays and all that. And they it really killed the deal. Right. But now he's like, with yeah. the interest rate environment, he's they like- They have like no prepay now. Yeah, he's like, that's really appealing to be able to assume a, a 3% mortgage. Oh, yeah. We just refied a client. Yeah, this client thought he was going to pay a $70,000 prepay on his yeah. Fannie loan. And then by the time we closed, rates had gone up so much. We locked him in the lower rate, mm -hmm. but his prepay went to, down to 19000 from well, seventy. Wow. So, yeah. So that's that, a, that, that rarely a perfect happens. time like, for yeah. people to pay off their agency loans yeah. right now. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, so what's next for you? What's on the, what's, what do you kind of the next, just, uh, let's just say short term, I think long term yeah. now is like the next year. Where do you, where do you focus? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I, I don't think past a year out, you know, cause I think it's kind of hard right now. It is, it is. And I think like often what I think I want, you know, two, three, four years from now is going to be different when I get there. Right. But, yeah. Um, I, but I, I agree. A year out the next year, um, focus on just buying as many boutique hotel deals as possible. I okay, really cool. see that as an opportunity. Um, I think with the multifamily experience and then having an entity that can manage and operate these, um, it really, you know, gives us full control of these, these properties and business plan. I just think I want to buy as many of them as I can now while there's opportunity before the rest of the crowd jumps in. You know? Gosh, I feel like uh, a great market I'm sure you already know would be like the Palm Desert or Palm Springs. That would be cool. Oh, because have you, have you been there and seen a lot of the ones so they've done? so many or? boutique hotels I've been there. there a few times, but I haven't stayed at a lot of boutique hotels. Have you there. gone and looked? Gosh, no, there's some really like just it's sometimes you just go there yeah. to go walk through them because you're like steal they ideas. It's yeah, like yeah. there's probably I would say like in that Palm Spring area, they probably redid a handful of them, like just some and some of these guys have them. They fly around the world. They send furniture back. It's mm -hmm. like crazy 
You'd, you would definitely pick up some tips. It's good for inspo because there are so many boutique hotels in Palm Beach. Really? But, the, but, there, but there are some that are like not nice, kind of running in for the sure. ground. I mean, they, yeah. they cover all aspects. Like you can go to like a cheapo boutique hotel. We yeah. went to like this kitschy one one time where like one room was like flamingos and the next mm. room was like country, you know, just like yeah. kind of cheeky but cheap and kind of yeah. fun. Or you can get the like Raiders used to own it. Yeah. Oh, that one. Yeah. The lady, they came out. The owner, she goes, yeah, the Raiders used to own this. We're like, what? And they're like, yeah. So off season, they let all their players come and just stay. There's nine rooms. They stay here and hang out. And yeah. they just like, whatever. And then somebody bought it and they have all these rooms. So a lot of people, she says, yeah, they just come here and they just rent the whole thing out. It's just their friends and they have a pool. Wow. It's And it's not, it's okay, but the location's like prime time. You're just yeah. walking right there. So and they have another one that's like Mediterranean, the Karakia. It's like they brought that is the crazy. owner travel all over the world and bring stuff back from his travels. Just like people have really cool ideas yeah that's yeah email crystal she could probably give you some because the croc yeah he has a, another one in laguna right yeah. but mm -hmm. he's he's what you're at like yeah. he's been doing that but he has the design and basically it's adult only too no mm -hmm. kids uh there's no tvs in the room yeah yeah it's very like self check-in self check-out type of thing they had people at the front desk there, okay. but not a Got lot it. like but, they'll have right. they serve like a breakfast yeah. and like a lunch and then that's yeah it. but everybody kind of like is wants to be left alone yeah, like just absolutely. everybody's kind of doing their own thing and you're not i feel like you're there to not really socialize. They probably could just do without staff yeah. i think people are just so used to doing it one way yeah that they're not doing it a different way absolutely you no, know that's a fair point i think the best part about it really is um you know the regulatory environment you don't have to worry about the regulations ever changing because that's the biggest yeah. risk to short-term rentals <sighs> but with boutique hotels that just takes all that risk yes. off the table but then on top of that you get to force your appreciation because it's commercial real estate to where a short-term rental, it's like, yeah, like, yeah, you can increase the revenue and all that, but it's really uh, just going to be appraised as the comps are in the neighborhood, yeah. you know, versus these hotels, which I, I love. Yeah. Exactly. What's yeah. your thoughts on the, well, the short-term rentals policy going in here? You it's know, been taking I, I forever. Honestly, I honestly <laughs> think it's a good thing. I, yeah. I think it's a good thing for those that are creative enough to figure out a way to operate. Um, and I actually like targeting markets right now that have, you know, regulations coming down the pipeline. Like, let's go buy boutique hotel deals in those markets, you know. Um, but as far as here in San Diego, I, I this is my thought process. I got a few uh, short-term rentals here. Um, one, I'm going to try to get a permit, right? So I think if we can get a permit, it's going to bring a lot more demand to those properties that can operate. I agree. Um, if not, I'm going to continue to operate. There's a lot of markets in California right now, Sacramento being one of them. We had a guy on our podcast. He's got a bunch of STRs in Sacramento. They started regulating four years ago. And he's like, no one's ever told me to stop. You know, and so I don't know if the city has the wherewithal to regulate it. Sure. And if they do, um, then the fallback is always midterm stays, right? Because here, um, short-term rental is defined as anything less than 30 days. Well, if you go 31 days or greater, uh, no one's going to stop you. And then a, the last case for, uh, scenario is you can just sell, move your equity to another part of the country. Yeah. You know? I mean, the good news about San Diego is you, you hold your value. I mean, yeah. like the properties, if you can hold on through a little bump in the road, like I Absolutely. remember last recession... Um, I remember prices went down short, like for a short period, but apartments by 2010 were already surpassing the boom time prices. Yeah. Like we were already higher on value. So I don't, I, you're perfectly, I mean, not everywhere totally right. but here. Like, no, but if you own in Southern California and San Diego and you can't operate as vacation rental anymore, chances are you're still going to keep most of your equity and yeah. sell. You can sell. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. And there's all these other models. I mean, you could go rent by the room. Yeah. Um, like with that Linda Vista property, I'm going to convert that garage here as soon as, as soon as we get permits. So now it's going to be three units, right? And so um, with rents going up, even if I had to go to the long-term model, like it would still pencil out, you know? Because you got to get like per unit a license, right? It's not just the property, which is kind of crazy. So, but it's like, it's it's shocking how little information that, the city has if you actually ask them, you know what I mean? The, no the, one knows and and, I, and I, I honestly think like, because... Uh, I told you Jonah is very involved. Like yeah. he was at the forefront of it all. Yeah. Like we were, I told her, I want to show up at this house in La Jolla and I'm sitting there and this guy comes with the backpack in like, who is this guy? He's like, Oh, this is the CEO of HomeAway. Yeah. What? Yeah. 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 He was the CEO of Expedia. This guy's in here and he goes, we're going to take, you know, just starts going <laughs> off or like yeah. what? And that's when they had to go get the signatures and stuff. 750,000. Um, but it's not that the loopholes, but it's, I feel like the city's nervous about it yeah. because like, oh, we're going to look at seven years. And I hear somebody come out and say, we're going to look at it in, in every year. And I'm thinking. Yeah, right we're, now they're saying every two years. We were talking, we were talking about it. We're like, do they actually like really, really like not just, is this emotional? Or do they really like understand? Like we're saying is like, they do we're in La Jolla Shores. Yeah. We're like, we own little bungalows. Like we're like, this isn't a house in the hill next to 10 million. Like, so, but I'm like, did they run the numbers? Like what that gets to this? And like, we're at 95, they're at like 50. Cause we live near whatever. It's yeah. like, did they run the model? Do they understand? Like we're near a commercial. Like why didn't they like really target? Well, I think they really did a disservice by like just saying, this is how it all should be. Cause when yeah. you build well, a hotel or beach, like that, that's the only carve out. Carve out yeah. But also like, we were saying when you build apartments right. and hotels and restaurants, you look for certain areas, you allow this and that. I feel like they just yeah. made, oh, everything's the same. Like actually, no, a house in Poway is not the same as uh, a four unit in La Jolla or PB. Yeah. It's Steps nobody. It's, yeah. I mean, I and agree. I just feel like we should just had a little bit more common sense mm -hmm. and, but maybe they'll let it go and maybe we just, it'll be a shit show and it'll change, but they'll just yeah. keep pushing it off. I, think I can't scared. imagine it's like going to be an organized effort. Like you no, said, like no, they're yeah. already behind on all the things they're doing now, Yeah, much less now they're going to create this whole like new department yeah. to, you know, police. And that's what I was told by rentals. the people there. They're right. like, so in other places, they've never really been able to regulate it that well. Yeah. They've tried, like you said, they haven't. How are you going to do it here? Because you haven't been able to do it. Oh, we're going to have these people. You're like, so you're going to have 13 people for, you know, 7,000 units. Yeah. No, that's crazy. So I can tell you, if you manage 7,000 units, it just like normally you couldn't do it with 13 people as you and I know, right? right. Like there's no way you have to have yeah. like, you know, another one in front of 170 yeah. people. It's like, Absolutely. so I think you agree with you. I like think people are just kind of running. It's just, but it, I just don't think they like, okay, I'll give you an example. There was a deal a year ago and it was 18 units, 2013 construction in Lida, Italy, which is where I live. It was a block off of India street. Okay. And I was like, man, it, it, the way that these units were set up, they all had like, they were, they were pretty like nice lofts. Some were two bedrooms. There was a couple, three bedroom units. I thought, wow, this would be a great STR. And it was zone commercial mixed use. And it had the hotel designator, but it was operating as multifamily residential. Uh. And so um, sizing up this deal, the broker didn't even have any idea that it had that designation. And so went to the city and I said, hey, uh, can we operate this as short-term rentals if we convert all these over? And they said no. And I stopped there, but I'm kicking myself today because I should have got like a real estate attorney involved or a land use attorney involved and actually did a little bit more due diligence. Like, I want to be a hotel. Yeah. Let me be a hotel. Absolutely. Because that would have been a, such a nice property. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. But that ended up trading. Because we learned like from our, our friend who's a developer, like all that yeah. downtown property and stuff in like Little Italy, it can yeah. be pretty much anything. Yeah. You know Rami Rami Cortez? I don't. Oh, he's okay. Yeah. When it's yeah. commercial zoning, it can be like anything. Yeah. I mean, it can be retail, but, office, right. residential. But Motel. the deal in La Jolla, though, right? The deal 
that we did, they got it all designated under the hotel, right? Like Yeah, it was hotel designation. All of it. Yeah. yeah. Which is That's like that the Pantai in It's all right there. Yeah. We did, and it looks like yeah. little apartments. I mean it could easily be apartments. We did the financing and then but it was like we looked and it was like all they got it all designated. I'm like how would you ban this? It's right there. What, th- yeah. Like, it's like, well, who are you bothering? The other hotels right. or the restaurants or the bars? Or was, was that the deal that was like kind of painted brown? It had like brown wood yes. and it was like right on the water in La Jolla. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like the little bungalows. Yes. That was yes. a cool little deal. Wow. And it's kind of like, um, like a uh, Bali style, like the yeah. little sign there had like the little waterfall and they had all the like carved wood and yeah. stuff like pretty cool i mean beautiful property. crystal yeah, yeah. crystal cool. knew the numbers i mean do you think it was uh a a, a deal to make money on if you rehab what is sure think? yeah and it wasn't yeah. operated efficiently because they were hotel operators but they're used to operating larger hotels so mm. this was kind of like the redheaded stepchild out of their wheelhouse and even then they did really well on the sale yeah um but they just didn't have operations like as efficiently you could tell they put their like C team at this property and <laughs> yeah. like the A team was they, like they, they shut down the restaurant they had a rooftop bar that they just kind of like a lounge you up there you like go and you're sitting up there you're like there's a rooftop with this view yeah. not even like, utilized bird yeah. shit everywhere you're like not, you walk up and you're like what what are we doing here you're in La Jolla like so just like but you also see you can't up, buy it yeah. for 1.5 million yeah <laughs> like, it went for like 25 million yeah yeah that's, that's, that's the problem yeah. 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 yeah big big yeah. money yeah but there but that was the designation so I don't know. I just think people are going to get crafty, creative, attorneys. I think yeah. there'll be class action lawsuits. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people forget we have 35 million people visit San Diego a year. It's insane. People go, it's wait a minute, what? I go, yeah, 35 million. Well, people also with go, all what? the conventions and yeah. things like that, how are you going to house Mil- all these stu- people? Yeah. Parents coming to visit students. Military yeah. people just coming to visit their sons, daughters, whatever, family, yeah. right? Yeah. Then you have conventions. Then you have the business travel. Like, yeah. look at all the travel for tech, biotech, all this stuff. Yeah. Then uh, then we got all the vacationers. Yeah. It's like... I, I think when you live in an area where, you know, it's 80 degrees in December, it's it, it makes sense. But, like, you're so right. Like, all these, like, short-term rental markets, they're all seasonal around the country. Um, and we're always pushing and pulling on these things during low season to keep them full. But here... We don't have, it's so hands off. I mean, these things just. We're like 95% occupied. Yeah, same. We're 97. And we want to redo a couple of ours. We don't have, and we're like, why are we shutting this down? Like, yeah. we, we have to like, right. we have this, we, we, there's no, it's not like, no, we have to st- not cancel. But then we're like, we, how do we know we're going to get all this stuff in? Cause yeah. the back. So we're like, let's just keep it yeah, going. I mean, no. Yeah. yeah it's like, you have to lose money. It's not like, okay, it's winter. There's nobody yeah. here anyway. It doesn't work like that. It's yeah. crazy. So. Absolutely. Yeah, this has been a fun conversation. Yeah, we covered a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's cool fun. that you're local. We're like, we're doing so many zooms and not face to face. So yeah, absolutely. it's like, yeah, we'll have to get you on. Uh, Tell us about your podcast where you go to and where yeah. people can find you. And yeah, absolutely. So I host a, a meetup here locally called Beers and Deals. It's once a month in Little Italy at the oh, cool. Ash Social. And we're actually looking at starting another one, which is going to be kind of unique. I'd love to have you guys out. It's yeah. going to be called uh, Cocktails and Cash Flow. Uh, we're going to partner with a private yacht um, out here in the San Diego Bay. It's going to be the fourth Wednesday of every month. Um, it's going to be a small, intimate group, just 50 people, uh, fully catered, sushi, uh, bartender, uh, drinks, DJ, saxophone player, and have a good time and uh, just kind of rub elbows with some other real estate investors. Um, and then have a podcast called The Multifamily Takeoff, where we just interview other partner investors and uh, you can also find, uh, learn more about me on uh, fortunecribs.com 
And then Instagram, social media is rich underscore summers, S-O-M-E-R-S. And you have a ton of really great yeah. content too for investors and stuff. So I definitely recommend people go to your yeah, I mean, the fact that you started at 19, you're doing your thing, like congrats. Congrats you. on like just getting out of like a job. It's like hard. We talked to a lot of people. I'm like, it's got to like take we, some We guts. always say like get off the sidelines and get in the game. Yeah. And like congrats to you for doing that because it's a you. scary first step. It, it, it was scary for sure. But looking back, it's not scary anymore. But thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome.